Okay, I guess we'll go ahead and try to get started here. Probably have a few wandering in, but we'll go ahead and start. Lord, we do come to you now as we again have the privilege of opening your word and looking into it. Lord, we just think of the riches of your grace. And Lord, it's gracious that you have allowed us to be a part of your family, a part of your realm, and even a part of your work. Lord, I count it such a privilege to be able to stand here this morning. And Lord, I want to be an instrument in your hands, someone that you use. Lord, I realize I have nothing that you need from me. You only want me to be available for you. And Lord, I want to function as a, a branch of the true vine through whom he produces his fruit. Lord, I thank you for each one in this room. I thank you for the work you're doing in each of their lives. We're all at different places. But Lord, we know based on your word that you are, your spirit is tirelessly working to conform us to the image of your dear son. And Lord, we look forward to the day when we will be like him. That day when we see him as he is. Now, Lord, we just want to commit our time together this morning to you. Praying that you would use it in each of our lives the way you desire. For it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, last week we pretty much came to the end of the, the section where Paul can fronts the challenges to Christ's sufficiency where he uh, takes on the false teaching uh, that was um, showing its ugly face there in, in uh, Colossae. And, uh, you know, we saw some of the elements of these things and we kind of, I had to kind of rush things at the very end. And so I want to pick up today there on uh, at verse 23 of chapter 2. And again, let me just remind you of what the theme of the letter is. It's that the Christian life finds its sole source in Jesus Christ who is preeminent over all things. Everything we need for life and godliness, according to Peter, is found in Christ. It's all there. It's all part of uh, the salvation package. In fact, years ago I did a, a, a message that I called the salvation package. <laughs> and just opening it up and looking at all that's in it. And so many believers just, they, you know, they're told that if they put their faith in Christ, they'll receive this salvation. And they put their faith in Him and they get their salvation and, and they think it's a wonderful thing, but they never really open it. <laughs> they never really look at what's all in it. It's as if they stick it on a shelf for eternity. And they struggle with life today and wondering why God's not doing something to help them when it's all in there. And until you unpackage your salvation and see all that's in it, you aren't going to reap the full benefits experientially in your life. And, you know, some of 
what's in that package is what uh, we've been we have dealt with a little bit, and we're going to deal with more as we get into uh, Colossians. Now, of course, last week I did point out that when people when Christians think of salvation, of course, so many of them think of it strictly from a substitutionary standpoint that Christ died for us and that's true and that's and that's where our salvation has to uh, begin but many do not go on to comprehend that we died with him identification and I want to spend just a few more minutes talking about this uh, in a moment. But in, let me go back, I said, let's look at verse 23 here. It says, these matters, and when he's talking about matters, he's look, talking about what he's just been discussing. You know, he's talked about how the w- Greek wisdom, you know, it, uh, can't add to Christ. The, the, this higher knowledge, can, the, the rules and regulations of the law, cannot add to the work of Christ. And he says these matters uh, which have for sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body. He said, you know, these things look good. They look like they would work. And that's false teaching always does. It sounds like it's going to somehow give us what we need. But he says, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. All these things only approach things from the standpoint of the old Adamic nature. Everything the world has to offer approaches that. Even false teaching comes at things from a fleshly perspective. And all too often, you know, it ends up being, if it's not the law, it becomes a law system. Oftentimes it's, you know, a bunch of steps. You do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, which is nothing more than a law system. The flesh loves law. Really does. Why? Because it has this idea that it can do it. That if you just tell me what to do, I'll go do it. That's what Israel told God at Mount Sinai. He said, you know, uh, he says, I have brought you on eagle's wings out of Egypt. I, by my grace, brought you out. And I love what uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee used to say. He said, they should have said, we need to stay on eagle's wings. <laughs> Instead, it's, Lord, tell us what you want us to do and we'll do it. <laughs> And so God told him. And 
You know, over and over again, over the years, as Jonelle and I have met with different people who have had struggles in, in their marriage and elsewhere, they say, just tell us what we need to do. This idea that we have the capacity that if we just knew what to do, we could do it. No. You won't. And so, you know, all these things that were being thrown at the Colossian believers. Paul says, look, these things sound good. They sound like they would work. But he says there's no value against the flesh. They aren't going to work. God's answer is very different. God's answer was to identify us with the death of Christ. Now, okay, we got substitution and we got identification. And wherein lies the difference? You know, if we're identified with the death, burial, and Christ, how does substitution differ? Okay, substitution deals with our sin, our sin debt, our guilt, our penalty. And we didn't share with Christ in what he did for that. He carried it all on himself. He went there in our stead. He paid the debt. He removed our guilt. As our substitute, he went alone. And our sin debt was very important. It had to be dealt with. But there's another problem that also had to be dealt with, and that is us. That is us. You know, Paul in Romans 7 said, The good I want to do, I can't do. And the evil I don't want to do, I continually do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to rescue me? Thankfully, he doesn't stop there. He goes on and talks about the answer, which is in Christ. But, you know, we came to salvation knowing we had this sin debt. And we embraced Christ as our substitute. And, oh, you know, the joy of knowing our sin debt had been removed... But it wasn't too long into our Christian life we began realizing we got another problem. And it is us. Many years ago, there was a cartoon strip called Pogo. <laughs> he was a little possum and he had his friends. And it was kind of a political cartoon. And one of probably the more famous uh, Pogo strips was where he and his friends are sitting on this raft and he says, we have discovered the enemy and it is us. We have discovered the enemy and it is us. And it doesn't take too long into our Christian life that we begin to discover there's a problem with us. Yes, our sin has been paid for. Every sin we'll ever commit, past, present, and future, is paid for. But there's still me. There's still that struggle. And that's where my identification with Christ comes in. 
because it's my identification with Christ that moves me from this old man to this new creation life that I have. Now whether I understand this identification or not doesn't in any way influence whether it's true. Whether you have understood that you were identified with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection or not, you were. But it will not really begin to impact your daily life until you begin to understand it and believe it. And begin to see yourself as this new creation. You know, and I put this slide up the other week, but our salvation so completely identifies us with Christ that, first of all, we died with Him. Our death with Him is meant to free us from the old. <coughs> and in, in dying with Him, it freed us from our bondage to sin, it freed us from our bondage to the law. And it freed us from the bondage to our, the basic principles of this world. It is what set us free. And we also were buried with him. And we are raised with him. And being raised with him brings us into a realm of new life. Now it's critical to understand all of this. And I will tell you, and, and again, don't expect to understand it all right away. You'll gradually understand it. But a, a, rudimentary, a rudimentary understanding of this is critical to moving forward in your Christian life. Because as you move forward from Romans through the end of the New Testament epistles, Everything about the Christian life rests on this. And if you don't understand this, you know, if you don't understand the death to the old and the <coughs> resurrection life to the new, you are going to try to produce it. And you're going to be frustrated. Either that or you're going to be proud if you, if you fake it real good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but not for long. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've been studying through um, Ephesians and just getting into Philippians. And, and y'all, I think I know this, but just to reiterate it, that it, it is incredible to me once I've learned or learned this, that all of this is right there in those epistles. And Paul is so good at saying this again and again, and then when he gets a yeah. description of what the believer looks like, it's based on that. On that, yeah. So that it doesn't become worse. Yeah. And that's why Paul always starts out by laying the, the theological foundation and then brings this in. And I, I was just going to yeah. say, young or old, it's such a free thing. Yeah. Because when someone says, I 
can't do this. I have been in bondage to this for years or however long it is. And to go back and teach them this, you know, somebody's got to mm, yeah. sit down and give you some time. But if they don't know this, or to live it out when they see and blink me, I'm still struggling. But you know, oh, let me say this. The cool thing about the struggle is once you know this, you know where to go back to. And you're going, Lord, I know what's happened here. I know where I need to be and I know where I am. Yeah. And there's freedom and comfort in that. Yeah. And it just draw it, it should draw us to it because mm-hmm. we have nothing he needs, nothing to offer him, and he has everything for us. And mm-hmm. it is already settled and done in his word mm-hmm. for everything, for life and godliness. And again, mm-hmm. I tell you, it's been an incredible and the more you understand these, really, the more a lot of the New Testament scriptures will make sense to you. When I was teaching through this up in Waukesha, I had a woman come to me. She and her husband had been on the mission field for many years. And she came up to me after we were dealing with some of this, and she said, for the first time in my Christian life, there's a lot of New Testament passages that now make sense. That finally begin to make sense. This is so, so important. And yet, it's often not taught. I mean, Jerry taught it for, for years. But there's a lot of churches where you'll never hear it. Yeah, it's not taught, and then sometimes, like you say, not caught. And some of it's because at times we've got to reach a place in our spiritual development that we're ready to grab hold of it. Because initially, we think that with a few rules, we can fix this. This old man. We can patch the old man up. Just tell me what to do, and I'll fix him. God help me. And God doesn't help us, and then we get frustrated with God because He doesn't help us. But substitution has to do with the sin. Identification has to do with the sinner. And you say, well, you say we're no longer sinners. No, because of identification. (laughs) Because we now are, you know, new creations in Christ. Y'all, I don't do this all the time, do I? I just want to say this to you. That if you're in a place in your life where something happened to you or whatever, I have something very bad happen to me as a little girl. And it plagued me for a lot of years. And the flesh is still working mm. because you can't talk about it without crying. But when I started to see is I started to be set free because this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And that person that hurt me cannot yeah. touch this. Cannot touch it. Huh. So it, to me, it's thing I shared it with so many girls at school. Oh my word. It was just incredible to me. Girls with struggling with eating disorders and young lots of well. Yeah. And all sorts of things. And to be set free because you get mm. this is who you are. It is so free. And um, 
Now, you know, we came to the cross. You know, this bottom line here, that's our old man. And I think I said it before, but it bears saying again, it will not change. (laughs) Oh, you may can uh, at times make it look a little more socially acceptable and things. But your, your fleshly nature is not going to change. It's going to remain your flesh. I have been a Christian now for 64 years. And my flesh is still what it was. And you need to know that. You need to realize that. <clears throat> but, you know, when you accepted Christ as Savior, you got a new life, a new man. That's Spirit-led. And initially, you probably had a burst of growth. And, uh, you know, most new believers have a, an initial burst of growth. And you think that that's going to continue at that rate. It won't. No more than when a baby's born but does its uh, initial uh, rate of growth continue. How long does it take for a baby to double in size? Not long. It's not very long till it's twice the size it was when it was born. But that doesn't keep going because if it did, after about two years, they'd be the size of a house. <laughs> and, you know, we have this initial burst of growth, which normally will level out for a little while. Why? Because God will begin to try to work things into our lives. And then hopefully, you know, at some stage we'll grow a little bit more. I mean, initially, probably all we understood was substitution. And God gave us a taste, just a taste of of what our potential is. And then things settled down for a while. And then maybe we began to understand our need for more. And and God brought some more truth into our lives and we grew a little bit more. And then there's a period sometimes when we level out and we aren't growing. We are growing, but only in the sense of solidifying what we've learned. And then hopefully there'll be some more upward growth. And some more stability. But what's important to understand is at any stage of this, if we step down into the flesh, it will be the same. And that's where in Christian circles, you often hear of people backsliding, which is not a biblical term. There is only one place in the whole Bible where the word backslide is used. It's in the Old Testament with the, uh, regarding to, uh, the nation of Israel. See, backsliding makes it seem like your new life is going backwards. Your new life's not going backward. You're stepping off the realm of your new life into your fleshly life, which hasn't changed. And that's why... You'll see, you know, men and women who, you know, grow and grow and grow and sometimes have great ministries and all of a sudden, they're down there. No one gets to the point where we are not in danger of our flesh. 
And all too often what's happened with certain ones who, who get in the limelight, they begin to think it's them. And they, they, they start relying on the flesh and they end up down here and the flesh hasn't changed. And then it's easy to look at them and say, well, it was all a fake, it was insincere, it wasn't real. I'm not going to say that. Because what, as they were growing in who they were in Christ, it could be very real. But when they step over into the flesh, the flesh is very real too. It's the old man. And when you become a believer, it is the new man that grows. You do not receive him as a mature person. Your new man is going to grow. It's going to enter the world as a babe. It needs to be fed the milk of the word. And as it grows, it's going to need the meat of the word. But any growth in the Christian life is in the realm of the new man. Not in the realm of the old. Does that make sense? If there's any questions, stop me. Ask me. Because this is so critical. And it will be important as we move forward through the Colossians. That's why I thought I'd pause just a little here and go into this a little bit more. Because as we go forward, Paul's going to be uh, relying on some of these concepts. And Paul often in his writings, at times he spells these things out. At times he writes in a way that shows he has an assumption that his audience knows these, uh, some of these truths. He assumes that because he planted some of these churches and he knows what they were taught. Now he didn't plant Colossians, but he knows what the men who did plant the church in Colossae knew. And he, he knows at times what his audience has been taught. And a lot of times his writings challenge them. To, put, to really believe this and move forward. See, Paul has just said, look, these false teachers, what they say. Yes. Oh, I was just going to say okay, a question yeah. for you. So, sure. At any given point in the, in the timeline of the, of the growth of the new man, you're saying you can also be simultaneously in the flat line of the old man. Not so much simultaneously. You step off of the ground of who you are in Christ and you step over into the flesh. And then what does it take to get back to the... You acknowledge what you did and step back over. But see, here's the problem. If you don't understand this, and, and this came up with a, a friend of ours in Ireland... Jonelle was teaching her piano, and she was talking about the frustration in her Christian life. And, and she's kind of using the keyboard, and she's going up here, and she says, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. And then all of a sudden, I'm back down here. <laughs> and so, for her, it felt like it was this grow, slide back, grow, slide back. <clears throat> and that was frustrating. It was disheartening. And Jonelle said, no, that's not what's happening. And she explained the difference. And she said, look, if you step off of where you are and you come down here, come down to the fleshly level, 
You recognize it, you acknowledge it, and you go on and you pick up and you continue to grow. You don't feel like you've gone backwards and now you've got to start back at square one. And so many wallow in guilt and things. Rather than simply saying, Lord, I stepped into the flesh. I stepped over into that old Adamic life. I acknowledge it and then pick up and go forward. You know, Rick, we've talked often, haven't we, about and which are that this is crucial in relationships. Yeah. Uh, whether it's man, wife, friend, whatever. Yeah. Because you can begin to understand what's happening with that other person. And they can begin, begin to because you know when we're walking in the spirit we're one thing. And then we step over yeah. And see, I mean, again, if you look at this graph, when you start out, there's probably not as huge a difference between the new man and the old in, in day-to-day life. But the more you grow, the further <laughs> apart they become. And that's why Jonelle and I have said, the more you grow in the Lord, the more schizo you look. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what is dead? We died. Okay, sin's not dead. The world's not dead. The flesh is crucified. It ain't dead. It's held on the cross. We as an entity, you might say. Yeah, the flesh. Huh? Well, and the fleshly nature is seen as being crucified. The old man, which is the fleshly nature, is seen as being put in a place of judgment. It's not dead. It's not gone. So, yeah. yeah. But, but we are seen as being dead. And, you know, a student asked me about, you know, what does it mean to be dead? Because we think of, like, physical death. And I, th- I think that what the Lord brought to mind when I was talking with her was, you know, in in the well, both in Jewish culture, in uh, uh, Muslim culture, in a lot of the Eastern culture, <clears throat> when someone converts, their family considers them dead. Means what? Your relationship has been severed. When Christ died on the cross and went into the tomb and came out, he totally moved from the realm, this sin filled realm in which he was born, but he was never a sinner. But he was born, he lived, he grew up in this sin cursed world. He grew up in a fleshly body. Never sinned, but. But when he was resurrected, he was resurrected out of this realm. In fact, it's interesting when you look at the New Testament, he never appeared to any unbelievers apart from Paul. And that's after he's ascended on high. During those 40 days, he never appeared to any unbelievers. He only appeared to believers. Why? Because he was no longer part of this realm. And we are to see ourselves through our identification with him as having our relationship to the old realm severed. It's still there. And we still can let it influence us. And at a later class, I do have something, a little 
thing that was done by Miles Stanford that said, why on earth did God leave the old man remain? <laughs> you know, and I'll read that because he's got some good uh, possibilities. But when Paul in Romans 6 says, reckon you yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God, the word reckon isn't like us here in the South. Well, I reckon it's true, you know. <laughs> maybe it is, maybe it's not. When he says reckon, he means count it as true. And God will only ask us to count as true what is true. God is not going to ask me to count a falsehood as true. Or something imaginary as true. He says, count it true, one, that you are dead to this realm, this old realm, this old, uh, uh, the world, the flesh, Satan. You're dead to that realm. That your relationship to them has been severed. Just like those, you know, who are, uh, who uh, proselytes to a different religion and are counted dead by their family. Paul says, count yourself dead to the old and count yourself alive to a whole new realm. And the Christian life is based on both those parts. So you have a lot of I've seen a lot of believers, a lot of students did this. They learned you know, Paul says, count yourself dead to sin. So they, they move forward saying, I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to sin. They try to, to function as someone dead <laughs> to sin. We're dead to sin, but alive unto God. If you don't move on to the life side of the equation, you're going to have problems. We've got to move forward. We've got to see the work of Christ on the cross and our identification with it as a bridge that moves us from what we once were in Adam to who we now are in Christ. It's an incredible bridge. And it changes everything. And yes, we can slip back into the old and it will not be any different. I used to tell my students, I am scared to death of my fleshly nature. I know what it's capable of. I know where it could have taken me if God had not rescued me and, and shown me a new life in Christ. I know where my flesh could have taken me and I know where it still could take me. And I don't ever want to lose sight of that. But I don't live focused on that side of things, on the old side. I live focused on who I am and what I have in Christ. See, that's why as Paul now moves forward in this letter, and he moves finally, well, he hasn't quite, I haven't quite got to where I need the next part of the chart, but <clears throat> he points out that while all this false teaching has the appearance of good, it, it can't really do anything because it, it always works on a fleshly level, on an old man level, because that's all it knows. But because of our identification with Christ, we need to learn to look at things from an entirely different perspective. 
Verse 1 of chapter 3. If, and the word if there doesn't mean maybe you are and maybe you aren't. It means since. Since then you have been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you see where in these verses Paul is drawing upon this identification truth? Since you have been raised up with Christ. You know, since that is who you now are. Keep seeking those things that are above. See, Paul reminds us that our identification with Christ doesn't just sever our relationship with the old. It makes us alive to a whole new realm. We are not to function as those who are dead. (laughs) We're to function as those who died to one realm and have been made alive to another realm. So, tell us, or I give a you know, in talking to God, like even in prayer, stating this to Him, in praise, but also for our learning. Yeah. To really learn to think this way. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. Again, I, I've shared before, but you know, it used to be my prayers were very much, Lord, help me not do this, help me not do that. And then spending half my prayer time confessing all the things that I probably had done and were feeling guilty about and all this. But when I wake up in the morning, and I do have prayer time right after I get up, and oftentimes I spend the time, I start out, and I thank the Lord for who I am in Christ. I thank Him that by His grace He has made me His child. By His grace He has made me a joint heir with Christ. By His grace He has given me a citizenship in heaven. By His grace, He allows me to be a co-participant with Him in the work He's doing here in this world. And my prayer is, Lord, I want to increasingly look like the child of God I am. I increasingly want to look like the heavenly citizen I am. I want to increasingly appropriate The provisions of your grace that make it possible for me to live like a new creation in this sin-cursed world. I want people to see Christ in me. Not just see me as a good person, but see Christ and be drawn to Him. Over the years, I had a lot of students tell me, that a lot of them that went through green letters with us who said, you know, it has totally altered my prayer life. I used to spend so much time asking God for this and asking God for that. And now I have spent so much of my time thanking Him for all that I am, all that I have. And even when it comes to petitions, 
it becomes very, very different. We want to live like new creations. Sorry, you know, we're, we're struggling with something. Yeah. You know, we can talk to the Lord about our, in our struggle in this way. Yeah. Because, Lord, this is not who I am. Yeah. And I do not want to be in bondage to this anymore. Teach me, make me to understand how to walk as who I am in Christ. And yeah. still learning that. I, oh my, um, I, believe me, I have to say that way too much. So yeah. it's, it's wonderful yeah. to know the provision is there. It's not something, a ball and chain I carry around trying not to say no. his, his life. Yeah. Now we're about out of time, but I want to see if I can get through the first three verses of chapter 3 here. (laughs) If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking those things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, again... We are to see ourselves as being raised up with Christ. And because of that, we are to look at things from a heavenly perspective. Set your affection on things above. Not on earthly things. Why? Again, both sides of this uh, um, uh, equation. You have died and your life... (laughs) is hidden with Christ in God. You know, and W.E. Vine states that the Greek word translated life in this passage is used in the New Testament as a principle. Life in the absolute sense. Life as God has it. That which the Father has in Himself and which He gave to the incarnate Son to have in Himself. This life we're told, is there for us, but it's hidden in Christ. I'm going to stop there because I want to spend a little bit of time next week talking about what it means to us that this new life is hidden in Christ. I don't want to just breeze through this. So we didn't make a lot of forward progress this week, but I hope it helps uh, because this is so critical Uh, You'll see it over and over and over again if you go through Romans, if you go through Ephesians. You know, if you go uh, through most of the epistles, Paul is going to, and, and even Peter, are going to draw upon this concept. And the more you understand it, the more certain passages of Scripture are going to make sense to you uh, in the days ahead. So it's a challenge to count ourselves dead, especially, you know, since the old man still, the old man is never said to be dead, he's said to be crucified. It's hard sometimes when he's all we've known and he's still from the cross trying to influence us. It's hard to count ourselves dead to him. That's where faith comes in. I believe God. We still live in this world. And sometimes it's hard to count ourselves dead to it. But that's where faith comes in. We believe God. You know, salvation from beginning to end is by faith. Starts with faith in Christ's substitutionary work. 
But it goes on to include faith in our identification with Him and everything that it makes possible. That is what makes possible a whole new life. May we increasingly experience that life so that others might see it and be drawn to Him. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we do thank You now for the new life we have in Christ. Lord, we can spend years coming to understand that life. And Lord, we have all eternity to experience it. But Lord, You want us to begin to experience it now. And You've made provision for us to do so. Lord, may we let Your Holy Spirit guide us step by step, day by day, into an understanding of all that we are and have in Christ. And may we begin to believe it. To truly take you at your word. When the old man beckons, may we believe that we are dead to him. But not just focus on being dead to him, but Lord, focus on the fact that we are alive to something different. Alive to a whole new realm. when the world beckons may we count it as true Lord that we died to their realm and now we're alive to your realm may we increasingly may our citizenship increasingly be seen Lord we again thank you that we have your Holy Spirit to guide us in this process it's not up to us to learn all this and appropriate it through our own strength You will guide us, you will teach us, and you will enable us as we put our confidence in you. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.